Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, one of the areas that is uh, experiencing lots of growth in AI is HVAC, heating and cooling. And the reason why is that uh, the um, they're using now IoT devices with the HVAC, and then the um, the controller is gathering information from the IoT devices and uh, turning uh, heat on or off depending on the uh, uh, situation. And um, the uh, uh, turning of the heat on and off can be uh, controlled by the IOT and so they get, it's getting more efficient uh, so even even at uh, if you just ran your temperature let's say for a building at uh, 23 degrees Celsius and then you're measuring the performance of energy consumption against the AI the AI could get anywhere between 5 to 20 some odd percent improvement in cost savings and efficiency, uh, either by reducing the uh, energy consumption in certain rooms and turning on the the AC or heating in other rooms. And so, the efficient allocation of the energy resources uh, by the AI system makes it really good. And uh, so one other area that's being impacted by the IoT and uh, uh, HVAC is um, in the area of maintenance. And so there's le- there is a reduction in the employment numbers for people who are in the maintenance jobs where because now the, they're not required... To as many people to do routine checks on the equipment. The equipment has uh, devices that are uh, doing routine checks on the um, the HVAC system, and so they're needing less personnel to do that uh, maintenance work. So there's an example of if you if you were to take jobs that uh, have routine checks. Uh, you know, from things like vending machines, you could have an IoT device on the vending machine that's doing sensing and telling you what the inventory depletion is and sending that into central computer and then inventory is uh, replenished. Uh, the same thing probably could be done with uh, washing machines, dishwashers, any electrical refrigerators, uh, large refrigeration systems that they could have IoT devices that are routine, uh, routinely pulling the status of the system and determining functionality and then sending that data to uh, the cloud. <clears throat> and so the world of IoT is just going to be increasing exponentially. Uh, we have more, much more c- 
connection to the cloud, a lot more data is being collected. And that data is going to be important data because it's, uh, you know, we're going to get a, a virtual view into the, that equipment. Uh, you know, when you think about like uh, uh, systems that require pumps to turn on, the, they're controlling fluid flow or, you know, like in a nuclear power plant where you have lots of controls that are running uh, things that have to, you know, keep cool and and at a certain stable condition and a certain pressure. Um, and, you know, you could have uh, manual monitoring engages, but, uh, you know, that requires specialized knowledge to know how to adjust the valves or, you know, activate different pumps or adjust the pump speeds and pressures. And uh, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, working a, a pivot pump and, uh, the, the farmer showed me how to prime the pump. So you, you know, you press the, I think actually maybe a, a, I might've pumped a lever and uh, you do your, you know, you prime the pump to a certain number of times and then you uh, press a button that activates this big powerful pump and you hear it start up and pressure a lot, pressurize the lines, you know? And all, it was all manually done. There was no digital uh, and uh, but uh, sometimes in the when I was uh, changing pipe, if you didn't uh, clamp the pipe head on properly, um, you could have a situation where um, the uh, pump uh, um, did not uh, did not warn you that there was a you know sudden pressure drop and. So, you know, you look out your window and you see this water gut shooting up in the air and that would be your, your indication you need to go out there and, and fix your, uh, uh, your pipe. And uh, that would require you to go up to the pump and shut it down. And I, I don't remember if there were some uh, procedures for the way you shut the pump down. I just remember there are certain procedures for starting it up. Now... These are, uh, these were real interesting because they would run, you know, lots of, uh, lots of, uh, acres. I think we had, uh, 600 acres that were, we were farming at the time. And, uh, you know, you're working with this high powered, high pressured pump and, uh, and there was no AI. So there was. You know, as, you, as we start to to use AI, you know, maybe you could use voice activated and give it a command to turn the pump on or off, and it could interpret that. Or perhaps it could detect a sudden drop in pressure and warn you that the, there's a, a leak in the line and have you, and maybe even tell you where the leak is occurring and shut down. You know, when you look at the, these type of fluid uh, systems, uh, you can apply the same kind of logic to oil pipelines or natural gas pipelines. You know, uh, natural gas pipelines are you know, in a natural disaster um, could have autonomous AI monitoring the system. So, you know, <clears throat> more devices on the edge and uh, it's uh, picking up 
uh, maybe it's measuring the amount of natural gas in the air. And if there were a breach in the line, say like an earthquake uh, caused a breach in the, in the natural gas line, uh, you could transmit it to a controller and, uh, and the controller could shut off the line so that you didn't have an explosion if there was uh, some fire that uh, ignited the natural gas. Uh, but then there's always this question, okay, you have so much infrastructure, you have all these millions and millions of homes that are running, keeping their heating and cooking, uh, using natural gas. And, you know, most of it has a, a natural gas gauge. And you really don't even know how to shut it off. Uh, I think if there was an earthquake in a, my home town and you could smell natural gas. I'm not even sure I would know where to go shut off valves uh, for the natural gas. And um, those are those are things that, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, can affect the, can affect the performance of uh, smart systems. And, and you never know what the the mentality of the utility companies are either. It's whether they feel that safety, uh, having uh, AI, IoT, edge, uh, AI on the edge, is necessary for the uh, safety of the consumer. And so maybe they don't want to invest the millions of dollars it would require to be required to install these AI on the edge. Uh, natural gas detectors and shutoff valves. But in the end, uh, it's possible to have them there. So you just like it's possible to have an AI controlling the pumps. Um, you want to make sure valves are open so you don't have high pressure situations where you could have a, a pipe rupture. Um, you know, control the the amount of pressure that's in the line. It kind of reminds me of the deep uh, horizon where they had a cutoff valve. So when, you know, there's an emergency situation and uh, the mud was flowing up that they could hit a button, emergency button, which would then activate this very powerful blade that would uh, basically slice the pipe and seal off the uh, seal off the oil that was coming up so that you wouldn't have uh, an oil spill on going to the surface. Um, but even that required human intervention. There was, you know, and that became the question in the decision making whether the decision making was done correctly uh, or if, you know, chain of command was violated and, you know, did the commander make the decision or, or, or was there someone in the lower command structure that was influencing the situation in a crisis situation? So chain of command, was it working properly? Um, and so these are were questions that were raised. Now, what if you had AI? Would you have a challenge on chain of command? No. But you would have to have some sort of forensic so that if AI decided to act, 
that it could be um, evaluated and maybe the people who designed the AI might be accountable if if there was uh, negligence on the part of their setting the system up so it didn't handle certain situations or didn't handle certain situations correctly. You know, why did it fail in that situation? Uh, was there adequate testing to prove that it, it would be reliable? So just like databases at one time, you know, they were going to hold database uh, engineers and designers responsible for the, the results of the database. And so, you know, there's always more pressure to provide guarantee. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, you know, HVAC is definitely an area that uh, has experienced lots of IoT uh, and AI is returning back uh, um, good results. They have one technology where um, the goal is to provide comfort for the room so that it can use infrared uh, scans to detect that there's uh, occupants in the room and it can do, check the thermal scans for the, and then uh, uh, direct uh, the air into the room to make it a comfortable temperature. And so while the room isn't occupied, it may uh, turn off the cooling to that room. Or it might uh, keep the room within a certain uh, tolerance level of temperature. So when people walk in, they don't, they're not, uh, it's not overly uncomfortable, but at the same time, it, it won't take long for it to um, cool the room down and provide comfort. When you really think about now, why did refrigeration become such a big uh, technology? Um, and, you know, when you look at the history prior to the eight, 1980, uh, offices that were air conditioning were not necessarily a thing. They had fans that were maybe blowing or, you know, you had uh, uh, windows that would be open, but not necessarily had AC. AC was considered expensive. You had to run a compressor and or a heat exchanger. It cost lots of money. So those were costs that uh, would be taken away from uh, the work from the uh, company. Uh, would be profits that would be deducted as costs to the company. So what drove AC and the big thing that drove AC was computers. Computers had to be refrigerated uh, because they produced lots of heat and when they did provide heat, produce lots of heat then they didn't perform as well. So they, they needed to be kept in a, um, a temperature controlled environment so they put ex uh, uh, expensive HVAC systems to control the heat in those uh, computer rooms and uh, then they it expanded to the the whole the whole facility so computers uh, were largely responsible for the modern uh, refrigeration systems well let's see so uh, what's new what's interesting um, 
Well, I think uh, one thing that uh, is a concern is the war in Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of tension there. Um, I read some articles that about uh, Russian troops build up along the border. And, you know, <clears throat> was that indication that the Russians are going to start marching in on their Ukraine and, and uh, overthrow their government? Um, I don't I don't know, but, it, you know, you're getting build up. Is that a defensive move or is that an offensive move? And will the war be fought uh, in the air or will it be it on the ground? And I would I would say with Russian tactic, it'd probably be uh, air air strikes first and then followed by uh, a ground ground strike um, but uh, you know as you look at uh, th those tensions um, I start to think about the stock market and the thing about the stock market is is you know people are if they're chasing growth and they're looking for uh, big payoffs you know that means that they're speculating and they could be deviating from fundamentals. And the number one fundamental when it comes to stocks is earnings. If you're not uh, evaluating the valuation of that company based on earnings, uh, then you're, you're very uh, deceived when it comes to the true valuation and how much the stock market could correct to those, those real valuations. So um, there, there are several books uh, that were written, you know, uh, that I, I liked, but one was, you know, take the company, look at its book value. You know, if you were to liquidate the company today, what would, what are its assets? Uh, and and uh, then get a book value and then divide that into shares and, and see, you know, uh, book value to share share value what those ratios are uh, look at the the price of the stock into the, into the ratio of its sales um, is the company growing uh, do, is it reinvesting its dividend back into the company for growth or does it uh, pay a dividend and you know if it pays a dividend what is the uh, amount that it's uh, uh, paying so, you know, does the company produce a dividend greater than a 10-year uh, a bond? So those are things that uh, are important when you're evaluating a company is, is uh, you know, what is its growth? So, um, another th factor that I was looking at when I was looking at Vestomedia or Vestotopia, Investmentopia, was that... Uh, during a uh, war, there there's different events depending on how surprised the market is uh, that will cause a sudden drop in the stock market uh, as a whole, as an index as a whole. So it can range anywhere between five percent drop to up to twenty, uh, depending on a major event. And it could take anywhere between forty days to three hundred days for the market to recover. So. Uh, when uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait, for example, the stock market had about a 20% drop 
and it took about a year for the stock market to recover. So then that's not even describing the individual stocks. So if you're not in an index, but you were in a uh, you were in a particular stock, and it didn't have a strong uh, it did not have strong earnings, then there would be nothing to hold that stock up, and so it would correct down downward. And the whole market seemed to correct downward towards the mean, which was the price earning mean, which was 17. That's in uh, Bogle's book. He talks about that there's reversion to the mean. And it did almost hit 7,000, which was phenomenal that it would come down from 10,000 clear to 7. And uh, it almost touched at that point. And then you had Buffett come out saying, you know, this is a great opportunity to buy. And so there was this, a lot of the financials and the 401ks were encouraging people not to panic and to start to you know, invest into the stock market again, and that it was going to recover, and that this was, you know, the showed the, the periods where, you know, there were corrections, but the, the corrections were not long-lasting. They weren't like the Great Depression of of uh, the 1940s. Um, and you might say, well, it started in the 30s, and then it extended clear into the 40s, so maybe around uh, 45, the, the Depression was over. But... Uh, People then said, well, that's because the banks, the banks uh, were weak and, you know, we need to have a Federal Reserve to strengthen up the banks as a lender of last resort. Um, And so today, you know, maybe banks are weak and uh, they continue to be weak. And so you watch, uh, you need to watch uh, the the financial health. And I think of the financial health in Europe, banks, and uh, see how they're performing and then also um, U.S. banks and see how they're performing. And, uh, and then uh, stay in the companies that are large. But at the same time, uh, you also want to look at, I believe you'd want to look at uh, small companies because what they, they, they were saying is that the small companies are the ones that are innovating. They have higher risk, but they can adapt quicker to change and, and uh, risk and um, so they, if they can survive not going out of business, um, they will adapt and they will innovate quicker. And so their growth is actually really, their performance is actually really good during war uh, for those companies that can survive.